Coming up on We Talk News this week, a little history is made in the cannabis culture. It's opening day of adult use sales in New Jersey. Supply might still be an issue, but demand isn't a problem. But I have never heard nobody OD on weed. That's Hall of Fame basketball player Gary Payton, who launched his brand, Payton's Place, at a Hubcraft and Sensi Magazine event in Boston. And did you hear? This was the week of 420, and more legal weed was sold in the U.S. than ever before. A state-by-state report on Weed Talk News, next. Pro-Cannabis Media original content is supported by Salient Systems, your trusted name in video surveillance for the cannabis industry, and by Revolutionary Clinics, Massachusetts' number one medical dispensary where the patient comes first, and by Accounting Buds, CPA services for the cannabis industry, and by Stylighting.shop. Log on today to get your grow kit. We are Pro-Cannabis Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to We Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto reporting for Pro Cannabis Media. The world's highest holiday has come and gone with people all over the globe sparking up to celebrate 420 this year. And while stoners reveled in legal cannabis use where possible, on Capitol Hill, reporters pressed White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki over President Biden's campaign promises to decriminalize the plant federally. The president uh, continues to believe that no one should be in jail uh, because of drug use. Uh, I don't have an update here. Uh, we are continuing to work with Congress. But what I can say on marijuana is we've made some progress um, on our promises. For instance, the DEA just issued its first licenses to companies to cultivate marijuana for research purposes after years of delay during the prior administration. This is a key step in promoting research because it broadens the amount and quality of cannabis available for research purposes. Additionally, the president's continuing to view his clement, review his clemency powers, which is something he also talked about on the campaign and is certainly remains committed to taking action on. So while any certain signs of reform seem to be in limbo, at least the federal government is attempting to make good on that research promise. And down the street in DC, there's more cannabis festivities to be had this week. Today, the National Cannabis Policy Summit will be held at the Ronald Reagan Building, followed by the 2022 National Cannabis Festival on Saturday. Vote Pro Podcast Phil Adams has more from the nation's capital this week. Hi, I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast, and this is the Weed Talk News DC Report. Lawmakers in the District of Columbia passed legislation to protect more DC workers against penalties for using cannabis legally. The Cannabis Employment Protections Amendment Act was approved unanimously by the Committee of the Whole, which comprises all 13 members of the DC City Council. The measure would apply the same protections for the district's private sector employees as it provides for local government employees. Specifically, the bill prohibits employers from firing, refusing to hire or promote, or otherwise punishing an individual for using cannabis off the job. It would not protect those whose positions are designated as safety sensitive, such as jobs that require a commercial driver's license or working with children. Final passage of the bill is expected early next month. A new study finds a correlation between cannabis legalization 
and reductions in prescription drugs for treating a range of conditions. In a paper published in Health Economics, researchers looked at data on prescription drugs from 2011 to 2019 in 10 states plus DC where adult use is legal. The study found significant reductions in those states in the volume of prescriptions for medications indicated for pain, anxiety, depression, sleep, seizures, and psychosis. While the data does not confirm that patients are substituting cannabis for their prescription medications, researchers say the findings do indicate a potential for reducing the harm from these drugs, many of which are associated with dangerous side effects or potential misuse. Another candidate for the U.S. Senate appears in a campaign commercial, Smoking Cannabis. Democrat Thomas McDermott, currently the mayor of Hammond, Indiana, released the TV spot entitled Legalize It on 420. The ad shows the candidate lighting a joint and saying, quote, legalization of cannabis is important to this campaign. McDermott goes on to say he not only advocates legalizing cannabis in his home state, but will, if elected, work for federal legalization as well. Earlier this year, Gary Chambers, a Senate candidate from Louisiana, made headlines for his campaign commercial in which he appears smoking a blunt. That's this week's DC report from Inside the Beltway. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast. Also happening nationally, next week, the National Association of Cannabis Businesses will host a webinar about respecting the legacy cannabis market. Andrew D'Angelo, brother of Steve D'Angelo, will be featured as a keynote speaker. And Marie St. Flora, a former state rep from Boston, Massachusetts, is the new CEO of the NACB. She says one topic of focus on everyone's mind should be the hurdles people impacted by the drug war have to face in order to enter the industry. With respect to um, access to capital, the reality is we need the states to step up. We need the states to create these pool of money that would allow people to be able to go in, whether it is a grant, whether it is a low interest loan, to be able to go in so they can start their business because they cannot walk to, into their banks right and get an opportunity most banks right now are running away because the federal government has actually failed to do its job which is we have a legitimate business and they need to be able to provide the same access to this legitimate business as they do to everybody else but they haven't been able to do that you can catch marie's full interview ahead of next week's webinar on today's episode of green rush live right here on pro cannabis media and speaking of Boston, NBA Hall of Famer Gary Payton was in the city this week. Not only was he delivering the Defensive Player of the Year award to Celtics' Marcus Smart, but he also stopped by Muriel Underground to launch his new cannabis line with Hubcraft. Ron Marshallsea takes a closer look in this week's Massachusetts Report. I'm Ron Marshallsea with the Massachusetts Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Gary Payton was in Massachusetts this week, and not just to help present Boston Celtic Marcus Smart with the Defensive Player of the Year Award. He was also at the Muriel Underground in Boston at an event sponsored by both Hubcraft and Sensi Magazine. He talked with fellow cannabis advocates about what he's been doing and what he's trying to do in the cannabis industry. I think I'm more popular now than I was in basketball. Oh Peyton not only wants to help people with cannabis, but also wants to continue to learn and grow as a businessman. 
you guys gotta understand, there has never been an athlete that took a, a, a strand over like I did. My strand has been almost at top in cookies. I bring it and I now become like cookies. And that's what I'm gonna become like. You know what I'm saying? Then with Hubcraft give me opportunity, I'm gonna become that guy. I'm, I'm new, always new. I always can learn something. I'm not hardy. I learn everything. I keep learning and I keep learning and I'm gonna keep getting bigger and bigger. In other Bay State news, Massachusetts MSO Cureleaf announced that the company has been approved by the New Jersey Cannabis Regulatory Commission to commence adult-use cannabis sales. On Thursday, April 21st, the Cureleaf dispensary in Belmar will begin serving adult-use customers. Also, Cureleaf says as New Jersey's cannabis market continues to evolve, they intend to maintain a direct line of communication with members of the local medical cannabis community. And finally, Worcester dispensary Major Bloom celebrated 420 this week with the launch of their new THC-infused cereal bars. Major Bloom has partnered with Infused Element, a Holyoke-based company that produces cannabis-infused products. Major Bloom debuted three flavors of infused cereal bars on Wednesday, including Rice Crisps, Fruity Crisps, and Cocoa Crisps. That's this week's Massachusetts Cannabis Report. For Weed Talk News, I'm Ron Marshallsee. Bay State Cannabis Report is supported by Holyoke Cannabis, Holyoke's finest cannabis recreational experience. It doesn't seem to matter that 420 fell on a Wednesday this year. People were still apparently willing to light up midweek. Cannabis data and analytics company Headset forecasted that total 420 cannabis sales should increase by 100% in the U.S. and at least 50% in Canada. So with that, let's check in with Deborah Borchardt for this week's Green Market Report. I'm Deborah Borchardt, and this is your business update for We Talk News from the Green Market Report. Of course, this week was 420, and the dispensaries are expecting huge sales numbers across the country. But also this week, as you know, April 21st is now the new holiday in New Jersey. April 21st, of course, is the day that adult-use cannabis sales became legal in the state. I visited a couple of dispensaries to see how things were going. I saw lines at some. I saw a lot of crowd control. I saw that there were police at the dispensaries also watching out for crowd control and directing traffic. I think they were pretty amused at the uh, change of, of situation where before they might have arrested people for cannabis and now they're directing traffic so people can buy cannabis. So that's the big news this week. I'm Deborah Borchardt with the Weed Talk News Business Update from the Green Market Report. One day after 420 and nearly two years after voters asked for it, adult use cannabis sales are finally underway in New Jersey. The state's governor marked the momentous occasion by speaking from one of the first recreational shops to open its doors to customers. Jill Goldsbury has much more in this week's New Jersey Report. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm Jill Goldsbury with this week's New Jersey Report for We Talk News. The big news in New Jersey is a big celebration. As we all know, recreational sales are now officially legal in the state. New Jersey has officially launched recreational marijuana sales following the voter approval in 2020. And as of 421, residents over 21 are legally allowed to purchase cannabis for recreational use. The state's Cannabis Regulatory Commission 
has approved 13 medical dispensaries to sell adult use marijuana. And the locations are owned by Ascend Wellness Holdings, Columbia Care, Acreage Holdings, Green Thumb Industries, Cureleaf Holdings, Cherisend Corp and Verano Holdings Corporation. Now that the state is legalized, what does that mean for you? Well, recreational weed sales in New Jersey are expected to generate $30 million in sales tax during the 2022 fiscal year and $121 million by 2023, according to Governor Phil Murphy. And since the state is imposing a 6.625% sales tax, 70% of that is expected to go towards social programs in areas disproportionately impacted by cannabis-related arrests and to fund the state's regulatory commission, the Cannabis Regulatory Commission, that is. Another caveat to this is towns have the freedom to also levy a tax of up to 2%. And lastly, I want to take a moment to shout out to Bergen County, home of Ascent Wellness. And during launch day, Ascend actually had about 2,000 people lined up to make their first legal purchases. So for those planning on making the trip, note that purchases are made online and entry is available by appointment only. Ascend in Rochelle Park is one of 13 stores that have been approved for recreational use. So check your local listings for a list of dispensaries near you. Happy 420 week, everyone. I'm Jill Goldsbury with the New Jersey Report for We Talk News. Next door in Pennsylvania, some lawmakers are beginning to get behind the push for adult use cannabis. Senator Sharif Street said this week he fully expects Pennsylvanians living near New Jersey to start driving to the Garden State to purchase weed, even if bringing it back across state lines is illegal, leaving the Keystone State to miss out on potential revenue. So Claudia Post has much more from Pennsylvania this week. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'm here in the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, for We Talk News. Let's get to it. Senator Judy Schwank of Pennsylvania, who was originally a big proponent of hemp, was one of the first lawmakers to introduce legislation to bring it back to Pennsylvania. Point of interest, in the 1700s in the colonies, Pennsylvania was the largest producer of hemp. So anybody that wanted hemp came here. She is now unveiling a plan to ban Delta 8 because she believes, notice, it is produced synthetically using caustic chemicals, which can make people sick. Judy, do your research. This week, the state court said that medical marijuana is covered by Pennsylvania's DUI law. The state does not have to prove that the cannabis in a driver's bloodstream was non-medical when prosecuting him or her for driving under the influence. This is a sticky wicket because as we all know, marijuana stays in your bloodstream for 90 days. How are they going to ascertain when it got there, how it got there? I don't know, lawmakers. Today, New Jersey commenced legal marijuana sales through dispensaries, retail sites across the state. So what does that mean for our happy residents in the Keystone State who may be interested in taking a trip across the border, you know, far away in New Jersey to procure some legal marijuana. Well, this to me is really funny because 
people used to go across the border to buy booze because it was cheaper. Now we're going to go across the border to buy marijuana. History repeats itself. The law specifically states that visitors to New Jersey, which would include us, Pennsylvanians, can also purchase all forms of marijuana if they are over 21. However, crossing state lines with said cannabis products does violate federal law, meaning authorities could capture you. Now that our neighbor state is in full effect, hopefully, I am hopeful, I am urging our state lawmakers in Pennsylvania to legalize adult use here as well. Otherwise, we're gonna lose so much revenue and we need the revenue. So come on, lawmakers, get with it. Okay, that's a wrap from Pennsylvania. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'll be back next week to talk about what's hot and what's not in Pennsylvania. From We Talk News, have a fabulous week. A Rhode Island cannabis company is suing the DEA. MMJ International claims the agency has been dragging its feet on approving applications to cultivate and import cannabis for medical research. The company says the DEA missed a 90-day deadline to take any action on the request and is now calling on the federal court to force the federal government to approve them. So sticking with the Northeast now, let's travel to Vermont for this update from Jesse Lynn Dolan. I'm Jesse Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the We Talk News Vermont Report. Hetty Vermont welcomed over 800 people to its third annual Growers Cup celebration, the Hetty's Cup on Saturday, April 16th. This year, the cup had 75 entries in total with 45 for flower. Several previous winners successfully defended their previous titles with 2019 winner Trap House Vermont's Greasy Runts taking the highest overall flower score and again winning the Indica category. The Vermont Juana Spring Swap is a two-day celebration of cannabis cultivation featuring live music, local food, disc golf, and local cannabis genetics. The first swap will take place on Saturday, April 23rd at the Larch Collective in Plainfield. The second swap will take place on Sunday the 24th at Magic Mountain Ski Resort in Londonderry. Confirmed exhibitors include Vermont Greenery, Forbin's Finest, Apollo Farm, Mountain Fire Farm, and Sherpa Seeds with more to be announced. Individuals are also encouraged to bring their own seeds and starts to swap and share. Saturday the 23rd, Vermont Hempicurian in Brattleboro will be celebrating their four-year anniversary along with the grand opening of the Vermont Grow Barn with live music, beer, raffles, and more. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jesse Lynn Dolan. This week, Florida's Agricultural Commissioner filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration, arguing that the federal government is unconstitutionally depriving medical cannabis patients of their Second Amendment right to purchase and possess firearms. The commissioner, Nikki Freed, is also running for governor of the Sunshine State, and so Heather Hallman is there with this week's Florida Report. Thank you, Elena. It's time for the weekly Florida Report from Weed Talk News. I'm Heather Allman from Canvas Law Report, and I hope you enjoyed 420 this year. 
In addition to the holidays, celebratory $4.20 pre-rolls and 50% off sales, on Wednesday, April 20th, Florida Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Fried filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration that seeks to remove a question on Federal Form 4473 about medical cannabis and gun ownership. The suit is an attempt to block a federal rule that prohibits medical cannabis users from holding concealed carry permits or buying firearms. Although support for cannabis cuts across party lines in Florida, it's no surprise the gun rights are also generally popular in the state. Fried's lawsuit argues that the question about cannabis use violates the Second Amendment rights of state-approved medical cannabis patients and violates a congressional budget provision that prevents federal agents from interfering with state-approved cannabis laws. The form asks specifically whether a purchaser of a firearm is an unlawful drug user, and since cannabis remains federally illegal for the time being, registered medical cannabis patients must answer yes or risk a five-year prison sentence. Fried's office oversees both the concealed weapons permits and medical cannabis dispensaries in Florida, and we have 2.5 million concealed weapon permit holders in the state, which is quite a conundrum. The lawsuit also argues that this question does violate the Rohrabacher Farr Amendment, prohibiting the ATF from enforcing anti-cannabis policies in states that have opted for legalization. A spokesperson for the ATF told NBC News that the agency cannot discuss pending litigation, but they did blame federal lawmakers for not changing the Controlled Substances Act and the Gun Control Act, which would solve the issue. This week, movers and shakers in the emerging markets of both psychedelics and cannabis descended on Florida for the dual Benzinga conferences held at the Fountain Blue Hotel in Miami Beach. The festivities began on April 19th with the Benzinga Psychedelics Conference, where attendees were able to meet the biggest psychedelics industry players and make deals that will push the industry forward. The event featured live company presentations, insider panels, and networking between executives and entrepreneurs, and participants could tune in virtually. Speakers included Maps, Burner from Cookies, Mr. Psychedelic Law, Dustin Robinson, and closing remarks were made by Lamar Odom, who shared his personal story, and Zappy Zappelin, futurist and psychedelic concierge to the stars. This event tripped directly over into the Spring Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference on April 20th through 22nd, where industry-leading cannabis executives and investors discussed the current state of the industry and what the future may hold with new markets coming online and other markets maturing. Leading cannabis companies shared deep dives into their businesses, brands, and technology, and the lineup included speakers from TrueLeaf, CureLeaf, Tilray, Canopy Growth, Aurora, High Tide, and Tyson 2.0. Over 150 companies sponsored the event, including Florida brands Jushi, Verano, Peter Tosh, and Binsky. That's a wrap for the We Talk News Florida Report. I'm Heather Allman from Cannabis Law Report. Have a great work week ahead. While California's legal cannabis market may be taking hits in the form of taxes, there's some good news for patients. This week, the state Senate Governance and Finance Committee approved a bill to require cities to allow delivery of legal medical cannabis. Separately, the Assembly Business Professions Committee approved a bill to allow veterinarians to recommend medical marijuana for animals. Christopher Smith has much more from California this week. Greetings from the center of the cannabis universe. I'm Christopher Smith, and this is the California Roundup for Weed Talk News. It's the day after 420, the day when thousands of Americans celebrate God's favorite plant out loud. Not sure if Hallmark has cards yet, but all the cool people sure had a good time. 
I'd like to take this opportunity to remind my fellow correspondents from other states that 420 is a California holiday and we're letting you borrow it. You're welcome. Back in the screaming 70s, a group of California high schoolers who hung out at a particular wall at San, at San Rafael High School, they called themselves the Waldos, convened themselves to partake in the sacred herb every afternoon at 4.20 p.m. The ritual spread and soon 4.20 became code for smoking pot. The rumor was that the Popo called a 4.20 when they busted a pot party. Eventually, the hour 420 was converted into a whole day 420, and here we are with no frickin' hangover because we're way better than that. 420 leads me to think about parties. Yesterday, in a, in a part of San Francisco's Golden Gate Park known as Hippie Hill, thousands of cannabesties gathered to smoke and chill. Hosted by Cookies CEO Burner and comedian Chris Riggins, with special appearances by Jeff Ross, Hannibal Buress and heavyweight, Tyson, heavyweight champ Mike Tyson. Tyson is quoted as saying, listen, we're going to take this to another level in life. I'm the world champion and now I'm the world champion of cannabis and we can't be stopped. Thousands of people are looking at us and we're getting high. This is beautiful. Look at me, baby. Look how beautiful I look up here. <laughs> Whatever you say, champ. Coming in July, another huge Northern California cannabis festival, it's called Northern Nights, is going to be the first to have multiple dispensaries on site. The event takes place July 15th to 17th in Piercy, California, which is located at the center of Northern California's Emerald Triangle, the United States' largest cannabis producing region made up of Humboldt, Mendocino, and Trinity counties. And what's an outdoor festival without your dog? It's the same as a news story that doesn't mention that California veterinarians are now allowed to prescribe cannabis for our four-legged friends. AB 1885 was approved by members of the Assembly Business Professions Committee with a unanimous vote of 19 to nothing. And I'm Christopher Smith, publisher of the American Cannabis Report, bringing you the California Roundup of pugilists, parties, and pets for Weed Talk News. Cannabis regulators in Michigan have placed a statewide hold on products from company Skylabs. The hold has been in effect since last week, and regulators have still offered no public explanation as to why. Michigan Normal Executive Director Rick Thompson takes a closer look. Hello again. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's get started. Well, is it a recall or just a hold? That's what Mount Morris cannabis processor Skylabs wants to know, as the cannabis regulatory agency has more than $5 million of their product on hold within the metric computer system. The hold was placed late last week and still hasn't been defined to the public. And normally, a case involving improper testing would be accompanied by a recall, but that wasn't the case in this action. According to a report by MLive, the recall affects all products created by the laboratory and that the products are all related to the same cultivator. Now, this has led to wide industry speculation that the hold is due to improper sourcing, which is a polite way of saying pushing illegal cannabis into the legal market. The regulatory agency is tight-lipped about this subject and attorneys for the lab are considering a lawsuit to have the administrative hold lifted as an unconstitutional seizure of their client's product. Now, we'll stay on this story. 
Well, conversion oil is dead in Michigan, which is the way it should be. Several months ago, the regulatory agency introduced a request to the government for regulations covering the conversion of hemp into THC via a process known as conversion, a process which is highly controversial and has been banned in 17 states already. Citing the large public outcry against conversion oil and the health effects and scientific uncertainty surrounding the process, the regulatory agency withdrew their request for rules making. Now, this was seen by the hemp and high THC business as a positive, since many feared the conversion oil would be a significant market disruptor and bring little benefit to anyone in Michigan, except the processors who created it. Well, this 420 holiday was wonderful for many reasons, not the least of which is it marked the first day Detroit began accepting applications for adult-use cannabis businesses. The newly created Detroit Office for Marijuana Ventures and Entrepreneurship is overseeing the applications. Currently, apps are being accepted in the unlimited license category, meaning all cannabis businesses without a retail component. Detroit is hiring a third-party outside firm to handle the scoring of applications for retail and micro-business licenses, which is the tricky issue that's landed Detroit in hot water in the past. Several large firms have cultivation campuses operating in or in construction phases in Detroit, including Chris Weber's brand and Viola by Al Harrington. These operations are currently limited to producing flour for the medical only market in Michigan. This change will allow them to compete in the much larger adult use market. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. In Missouri, a key committee is backing a plan to fully legalize adult use cannabis. This week, the state's House Rules Committee voted to keep alive the so-called Cannabis Freedom Act, which would require the state to issue twice as many cannabis businesses licenses as were issued under the medical program. The vote sets up a possible debate before the full House in the near future. And with just four weeks left, in the legislator's annual session. So let's check in with Brandon Jones for a closer look at what's happening in Missouri. Brandon Jones again from Distribution Maven from Missouri Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. And yeah, the legislation is getting ready to close in just a month. The Cannabis Freedom Act is one of three acts we're trying to get on legislation. Another one of those uh, trying to get on is Legal, uh, Legal Mo 22. It already has over 200,000 signatures and trying to get on legislation to be voted on here in the next month as well too before they close everything. Obviously 420 week's been pretty crazy here in Missouri. Uh, the B420 event at West Bottoms here in the town uh, had over 1,500 people check in for just to get uh, looked at for new certifications. That's kind of the big thing that went across all of the uh, expos, conventions, and uh, just a, all the little uh, pop-up events that had was the biggest thing I took away was the lines for getting new clients. So all the new medical cards were all over. The, lo the lowest I saw was at Relief Resources that did it for $4.20. There was like a $25 service charge, but for under $30, people were walking away with a full medical card. So pretty exciting news. A lot of fun events, and we're ready for Snoop to be here this weekend. So I'm excited to go check out the concert. Everybody have a great week. Again, Brandon Jones from Distribution Maven. Stay medicated and educated. Have a great week. And finally, new evidence that cannabis could really be the solution to the opioid crisis. New research published to last week's Health Economics Journal showed that when states approve adult use cannabis, there seems to be a significant reduction in demand for prescription drugs through state Medicaid programs, including drugs for things like pain, depression, anxiety, and sleep disorders. 
And one expert pointing out, quote, the reductions in drug utilization that we find could lead to significant cost savings for state Medicaid programs. The results also indicate an opportunity to reduce the harm that can come with the dangerous side effects associated with some prescription drugs. So the next time someone tries to argue cannabis is a gateway drug, you can tell them it's the gateway out of opioid use. After all, it's a whole new world of weed out there. So remember to use it wisely. And that's it for Weed Talk News this week. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media.